It's 6 p.m. and you are listening to community-supported radio, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, May 7th, 2021. I'm Joyce Miller and this is the KVMR Evening News. After the BBC headlines, the California report tags along with a three-year-old named Eloise as she gets her vaccination as part of a clinical trial. Then, a roundup of weekend cultural news and regional weather. If you've been missing live music, hope is on the horizon. Keith Porter talks to Jenny Darlington-Person of Music in the Mountains about what's on tap for summer classical music shows. And Felton Pruitt checks in with Peter Wilson about upcoming gigs. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. Young kids are starting to get their first COVID vaccines in an early clinical trial at Stanford. If all goes well, widespread distribution could begin by this fall. KQED health reporter Leslie McClurg tagged along with a brave three-year-old from the Bay Area who is now protected from the virus. Eloise LaCour clutches her dolly as a nurse takes her blood pressure. Can you tell me what your name is? My name is We'll use this arm, okay? And then a Stanford nurse swabs Eloise's delicate arm. Tickle, okay. tickle. Yeah. Yeah. Mommy's going to hug you, okay? The nurse carefully administers the vaccine. Hey, how about that? That's it. Look at you, brave kid. Gosh, you are the bravest. Oh my no tears. In fact, it looks like Eloise might be smiling under her mask. She just got the Pfizer vaccine, one of 144 children across the country in trials like this one. So how'd she do? I checked in with her parents the next day. And so how did she do yesterday? How did yesterday go? She was fantastic. (laughs) Like she's told us her arm doesn't hurt at all. So she's been great. Both parents said they were nervous about enrolling their only daughter. But they said they'd probably be anxious in six months or a year during the official rollout as well. Eloise's mom, Angelica, sees the experience as a way to give back. We are so incredibly lucky and fortunate to have a healthy three-year-old child. And we know that there's a lot of other families with kids with vulnerabilities. COVID is potentially life-threatening for those children. And so being part of making this a reality for those families um, is something that was really meaningful to us. Three weeks pass, and then it's time for the second poke. This time, Eloise dresses up as her favorite character from a movie oh, called Brave. Here we go. Did See, there it goes. There you go. You did so good. Yeah. Look. She squirms a little more this time. Again, I checked the next day to see if Eloise was experiencing any side effects. Nothing major, just a little soreness in the arm, and... She had a little bit of a headache last night, nothing that couldn't be solved with a low dose of Tylenol, but otherwise running around, lots of energy. Beautiful. Do you guys feel better now that all of you are vaccinated? <laughs> uh, I get my shot tomorrow, but then by then we'll... Two more weeks. But not all parents are so eager to vaccinate their kids. This week, a survey from the Kaiser Health Foundation reported less than a third of parents say they'll get their kids COVID shots. Health officials hope that hesitation eases over time. It looks like Pfizer could be ready to distribute pediatric shots as early as September. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. And go Eloise. 
We're going to go to Orange County now, the latest in the state to announce the impending closure of its mass vaccination sites. That's due to slowing demand for shots. The four sites there will shut down on June 6th. Health officials say they'll be focusing on mobile vaccination clinics to get doses to places where people haven't yet gotten the shot. As some say, access is still the biggest barrier when it comes to getting vaccinated. The Cal State University system is partnering with hospitals and pharmacies to offer free pop-up vaccination clinics specifically for students and employees. Officials say many of their campuses have already served as vaccine hubs, but those were for the broader community. CSU is requiring COVID-19 vaccinations in the fall for students, faculty, and staff returning to campus. A coalition that tracks reports of hate and discrimination against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders says that there's been a 64% increase in incidents of physical assault against members of the AAPI community over the past year. 40% of overall incidents reported to stop AAPI hate took place in California. Cynthia Che is co-executive director of Chinese for Affirmative Action. This report shows that incidents of hate is not abating. So this is really disconcerting and a very challenging time for our community. The San Francisco Division of the FBI announced Thursday it's expanding resources to investigate hate crimes and increasing outreach efforts. Officials in charge of monitoring air quality in Southern California are voting on a rule today that aims to hold warehouses accountable for diesel truck pollution. The rise of e-commerce has led to a warehouse boom in the region over the last decade, and that's only accelerated during the pandemic. KVCR's Megan Jamerson reports this could have a big impact 60 miles east of L.A. in the Inland Empire, where those warehouses have been linked to toxic air quality. The nearby neighborhoods are mostly made up of people of color who are plagued by higher than average rates of asthma and cancer. That's why Yvette Torres with the People's Collective for Environmental Justice says changes need to be made. It's like that first step into zero emissions and getting industry to really think in that sense of that's a way to go where we need to stop impacting the communities that are working for us or living by our industries. The rule would be the first of its kind in the nation, requiring both new and existing large warehouses to meet emissions reductions goals each year through a point system. They can do things like add solar or use zero emissions trucks to gain points and avoid penalties. The trade association that represents commercial real estate in Southern California says its 1,300 members want clean air too, but they believe the rule is unreasonable given today's available technologies, says CEO Timothy Jamal. The approach has been the industry is bad, we need to demonize them, and then we need to somehow push this you know, down the throats of the, the warehouses who, by the way, have no control whatsoever for the most part of the trucks. A study by the South Coast Air Quality Management District found the rule could result in the public health benefit savings of up to $2.7 billion. For the California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson. Support for the California Report comes from Water Heaters Only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day every day. Learn more at waterheatersonly.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. 
And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that is the California Report for this Friday, May 7th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin, Brendan Willard and Jim Bennett with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Lily Jamali. Have a great weekend, everyone. In less than an hour, the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley will present what its website says is, for now, its last live broadcast event, an online show by singer-songwriter Jessica Malone. It starts at 7 tonight and can be accessed from the Center for the Arts website. Jessica Malone will be joined by violinist Georgi Kokovashvili. The center announced this week it will present live concerts at the fairgrounds this summer, including Taj Mahal on June 12th and Tommy Emmanuel on July 24th. Live music this weekend at the Miners Foundry Patio Bar in downtown Nevada City. On Saturday from 4 to 7 p.m., Karen Werner and Cassidy Joy. On Sunday from 3 to 6 p.m., Ludie Henricks. The Summer Farmer's Market on Union Street in Nevada City takes place Saturday from 8.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. with live music all day. In Grass Valley, the Farmer's Market at McKnight Crossing takes place Saturday from 8 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Learn about Nevada City's dogwoods, redbuds, lilacs, wisteria, and more through the Nevada City Tree Tour, downloadable on the Chamber of Commerce website. The tour of 42 native and non-native trees in the downtown Nevada City area was prepared by local horticulturalist Ellen Solomon. Stop into the Chamber office on Saturday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. to pick up a printed guide. The regional weather forecast for the weekend is dry, warm, and windy, with low humidity and elevated fire concerns persisting into Monday afternoon. The National Weather Service has issued a red flag warning for much of Northern California in effect Saturday morning through Monday evening. The region will see sustained winds from 10 to 20 miles per hour, with gusts of up to 35 miles per hour possible in some areas. In the Sacramento area, gusts are expected to reach about 30 miles per hour Saturday and 25 miles per hour on Sunday. The forecast for tonight in Nevada City and Grass Valley, clear with a low of 54 degrees. Sunny Saturday with a high of about 80 and a low of 57. On Sunday, mainly sunny in Nevada City and Grass Valley with a high around 77 and a low of 58. Warmer Monday with daytime highs in the high 80s by the middle of next week. Tonight in Truckee, clear with a low of 28. Saturday and Sunday in Truckee, Sunny with a high of 65 degrees and a low of 30. Truckee will have sunny days through next week with daytime highs in the 70s and lows in the 30s. In Sacramento, clear skies tonight with a low of 57. Saturday in Sacramento, windy with lots of sunshine and a high of around 90 and a low of 61. It will be a bit cooler Sunday, but for most of next week, Sacramento will have daytime temperatures in the mid-90s.
Having weathered the challenges of the past year plus, Music in the Mountains will jump back to live performance with five summer classical music concerts. Keith Porter has more. I'm Keith Porter with KVMR News, and I'm talking today with Jenny Darlington-Person. Jenny is the executive director of Music in the Mountains in Nevada City, and uh, Music in the Mountains has been around our area for 40 years and uh, has uh, been presenting live music uh, for everyone to enjoy in our community. So, Jenny, uh, welcome to KVMR. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Keith. And, and tell us just a brief little bit about the background of MIM for those who aren't that familiar with MIM. And then how has MIM been impacted by the pandemic? Uh, Music in the Mountains was founded, as you mentioned, about 40 years ago by a group of local um, classical music and choral enthusiasts, as well as our founding artistic director and our founding executive director, Paul Perry and Terry Brown. And since that date, we've been doing a summer festival as well as other activities during the year, focusing primarily on classical music and classical chamber music. Uh, During the pandemic, obviously we couldn't have live concerts, so we immediately made the switch to virtual. And last summer we had a full offering of virtual uh, concerts for our summer fest. And this year we're making the jump to live again, hopefully. Okay, so there. I assume there are still kind of a few unknowns before you get started. And, and when would your summer fest uh, actually run this year? We will have five concerts between June 11th and July 3rd, as well as four of the concerts. There'll be virtual versions of them as well for people who aren't yet ready to leave the house or can't get a ticket because the state regulations require us to keep our ticket sales down, or you know can't be there that night. For whatever reason, we'll have virtual options as well. And I assume there are still some unknowns for you about, you know, for example, what will happen with state regulations over the next uh, 40 days or so before you start the program. Right. The the big challenge is the state keeps changing its mind about what exactly it's requiring of of arts organizations and and live music presenters. That's been a challenge. I'll bet. I mean, we're trying to plan it in such a way that even as the regulations change, we'll still be able to do it. It must be quite a challenge for you, and uh, I think the community appreciates the fact that you're you're working so hard to provide uh, the, you know the service that we all look forward to in the community. I know the uh, the July third event, which is the annual uh, America concert uh, before, on the eve of the Fourth of July, is such a popular event that everybody wants to go to that. So it may be just a, if everybody who wants to can't make it this year, right? Right, and we're hoping to get as many people as we can, and we have moved it to Western Gateway Park this year, partly because of all the costs and the unknowns with ticket sales and and things like that. They have a stage that's already pre-made and there, so that reduces our costs quite a bit and allows us, if necessary, to sell fewer tickets. But we're still hoping to get close to as many, if not as many people as we usually do, but it really depends on COVID tier and what the state regulations say. Well, we'll all we'll all hope for uh, for the uh, the best possible news for that. So, tell us a little bit about the rest of your Summerfest program. That's that's one concert that's very popular in our community, but there are other things you're doing as well. One of the things we're doing that we haven't done in a long time is a lot of intimate concerts with our orchestra principal players. So, we're doing three quintet concerts: one with our brass, one with our winds, and one with our strings. And one of those will be at a private residence outdoors with a boxed dinner following all the safety protocols. So that will be sort of an open, that'll be our opening night. 
on June 11th, and then we'll have two more of those indoors at the Center for the Arts with limited ticket sales to keep everybody safe and social distanced. And then we'll have a string um, orchestra concert also indoors at the Center for the Arts, again, with keeping our ticket sales as low as possible to still follow the, the regulations. That really sounds wonderful. How can people who are listening to our show get tickets? There will be tickets on sale to the public this Friday and at musicinthemountains.org, May 7th. Excellent. And if you have any trouble with, the, with that, you can also call our box office, 530-265-6124. Okay. Nancy or Marge will be there to help you. Great, folks. Oh, and you can also email Nancy, nancy at musicinthemountains.org. Okay. And uh, for those who uh, would like to support MIM, Music in the Mountains, during this uh, difficult time and uh, for all the good things you do in the community, how can people find ways to support Music in the Mountains? To help us keep these concerts live, even through all these state regulations, you can donate online by going to musicinthemountains.org. You can also call that box office line and they'll uh, connect you to the right person. Or you can also email hillary at musicinthemountains.org. Or you can mail a check. We like to make it nice and easy. Lots of ways to do it. <laughs> P.O. Box 1451, Nevada City, 95959. To help keep the music playing. Jenny Darlington Person, Executive Director of Music in the Mountains, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, our, our best wishes for a very successful Summerfest this year. Thank you, Keith. And I hope to see everyone there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Good news for deadheads and live music fans. The Jerry Bash will be back this summer. Felton Pruitt talks to musician and impresario Peter Wilson about the past year and the coming months in concert going. We're talking with Peter Wilson, who has been a musical fixture in Nevada County for, oh gosh, I don't know, over 30 years, Peter, at least? Um, who's counting? Um, yes, at least, I would say. <laughs> over the last year, maybe 14 months or so, you have found a way, sort of, to stay active as a performing musician, even though... A lot of things have been shut down, and for a while, everything was shut down. Let's talk a little bit about that now. First off, when we looked at all of this back about 14 months ago in March of uh, 2020, uh, what was going on in your life musically at that time? Well, it was springtime, and so we were thinking about the summer and booking you know, the, the big anchor gigs like the Jerry Bash had been booked, and Paul Emery had booked the Thousand Kisses Deep show at the newly opened Center for the Arts. And so I had some big shows coming up and then my usual sort of um, playing around in local clubs and uh, concert venues as solos, duos and trios and my various combos. We should uh, mention that the Jerry Day thing was with the Deadbeats, which you are a member of. You're a member of, I guess, a, a few bands. Well, I have, I think there's three, three or four. Uh, the Deadbeats are, is, Super fun. We play the music of the Grateful Dead, and our big anchor gig every year is the Jerry Bash at Pioneer Park, which is always the beginning of August. And so we were planning on doing that with the Deadbeats. And then the Thousand Kids' Deep Paul Emery put together, a, I call it a musical review that featured the music of Leonard Cohen. That would have been our 11th year and 20 something presentation. And we were all super stoked to be playing at the New Center for the Arts. So that got was was on the books and ready to go when the lockdown occurred, and we just kept having to push it back and cancel until it just evaporated altogether. That one. I also play with the uh, rock and roll band, The Pyramids, which is jazz, folk, and blues, whatever you want to hear, and play the honky tonk scene around here. 
also, you put together your own Peter Wilson combos or trios or quartets sometimes, because I saw you a few times over at the Golden Era out in the back parking lot playing with an, a stellar band. You had Joe Craven with you at one point, then it was Joe Craven and Daryl Anger, and then at one point it was Joe Craven, Daryl Anger, and John Gurton. These are some pretty powerful musical performances. Well, interestingly, the pandemic in certain ways worked to my advantage in that don't travel so much, but the touring guys who are used to going to gigs uh, by going to the airport and flying to distant places, uh, they were all just locked down and everything that they had booked evaporated altogether. But uh, once the initial lockdown eased up, I guess it was May and June when uh, we were allowed to go outside and play on a lot of local venues had figured out how to have outdoor venues and the weather got good. Uh, in June and mostly through the summer, the patio scene got, got okay. There was two or three good places to play that seemed safe. So I was playing a good bit in the Golden Era in uh, 111 in downtown. They've got a lovely patio and a couple other places around that, that adjusted. Wild Eye Pub has done a great job with that, too. So, um, yeah, there were gigs and the guys who were normally touring, like Joe and Daryl Anger, were just desperate to play anywhere. And so they were happy to join me on the patio scene. And that was super fun. We're talking with Peter Wilson about uh, being locked down during the COVID epidemic from last year, moving on into this year. And uh, Peter, now it seems like things are opening up and you're able to actually start, I guess, booking gigs. Are you starting to book gigs now? I am. It's interesting. There's a big outbreak going on as the vaccinations keep rolling out and people are safer and more comfortable. So yeah, there's a, and the weather's gotten good. That's playing on patios in January and February was challenging, but uh, now it's not so challenging. And so, and a lot of the places that didn't have patios now have patios. So uh, I'm, I'm playing a good bit on uh all over Chico and uh, down the new one in Oro Villa. I hope to be playing that soon. What else do you have planned for the next few months, Peter, as far as gigs? Let let people know. Well, um, next Friday, I'll be on the Golden Era patio with uh, Joe Craven. Um, we've been done, done some duos and quartets, but uh, we're whittling it down to a duo just to go mono e mono, and that's the 14th. Should be super fun. All right. We've been talking with Peter Wilson of all of those things. Peter, we wish you the best, and and thank you for sharing some time with us. Well, thanks so much for having me, Felton. Bonus content from Felton's interview with Peter Wilson is available at kvmr.org in the news and podcast sections. That's tonight's newscast. Stay tuned for the California Report magazine coming up next at 6.30. If you have a loved one in a nursing home, you'll want to hear this disturbing investigation into how the past year has shown new light on the deadly deficiencies of some long-term care facilities. And at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. KVMR gets support from Mountain Recreation offering brand-name outdoor apparel, sporting equipment, and rentals, retailing paddleboards, kayaks, hiking gear, and more. Locally owned, open daily on East Main Street, Grass Valley, since 2000. 
M-T-N-R-E-C.com. And Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners, carrying environmentally safe, remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties, also San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com We'll be back on Monday at 6 p.m. Have a great weekend and be safe.